Hey there, I'm Nikki Milne, high school dropout and ex-hairdresser and salon owner turned PR and marketing expert and founder of the Peth Collective PR Agency. The Passion to Profit podcast is a conversational business podcast with a focus on marketing and PR to help business owners scale successfully, acquire more customers, increase your profits and become that desired go-to brand in your industry. So open your notepad on your phone, get out your pens and paper. You don't want to miss any of the following tips, tricks, and strategies that you're about to experience on the Passion to Profit podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to the Passion to Profit show. Today, I am joined by someone I've greatly admired in the health and wellness space who has really been dominating the industry in the last two to three years. I'm so excited to have her on Beck from Health with Beck, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Nikki. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And I think your story is absolutely one that should be shared. And what you're doing from a business perspective has just fascinated me because I've kind of discovered you a few years ago now. And I've just watched in awe how you've actually created this incredible community of people that, um, yeah, just you inspire. And I think the biggest thing is you keep them consistently on track, which we know with health and wellness is one of the biggest downfalls of, you know, people, especially women is to stay consistent, which I think what you're offering is something that absolutely does actually keep the business consistent and keep your customers consistent. So why women's health? Tell me a little bit about your program, how you got into it and what your background is. How do I condense this story? Because it's a long one. So I'll be as quick as I can. But it all stemmed from my own personal health journey. So I always absolutely, I've always been from a health conscious family. Um, Through school, I was a science nerd. I would always pick up um, sort of like the women's health magazines instead of the gossip magazines. So I was always really interested in health. But then sort of just after school, in my sort of like late teens to early 20s, I started to experience really, really bad, like actually chronic gut issues. And so as a as a healthy young woman, it was really, really shit um, because I was bloated every day in pain. For me, it was chronic constipation um, and I couldn't figure out the answers. And at the same time as that was going on, I was studying a Bachelor of Science Nutrition at Curtin University. But even with all the knowledge that I was getting from that and I was visiting multiple specialists that I paid so much money, nothing was making sense. And that kind of also turned into um, other issues like really bad fatigue. All of a sudden I was gaining weight really easily and finding it really hard to lose despite counting calories to a T and thinking I was doing everything right. And then fast forward till I finished my uni degree and then at the same time that I was finishing, finally found the answers to heal my gut and also um, why I was just gaining weight so easily. So I figured out I had a slow thyroid and then I came up with an approach that really, really helped me fix my gut issues and balance my weight without having to be so Nazi with the calories and feeling starving all the time. And I was just so incredibly passionate and thank God I still am to this day because it just keeps me going to help other women. Cause I was like, if I found the answers for me after a uni degree, all this research, all these specialists, then how can I keep that information inside when I know that so many other women struggle with the same things. And so that ignited my passion to start my business straight after uni. I had no business experience. They taught us nothing about <laughs> dealing with clients or just literally nothing. So um, all I had was my passion and obviously all of my knowledge with with the science, which is very important. Um, and I started, I started my Instagram and all I wanted to do was just build up one-on-one clients. So slowly, very slowly that happened. Um, I think in the first like six months, it was one client a month and then it grew to like a couple of clients a week. And then in my second and third year, it was just full-time um, one-on-one clients and when I say one-on-one, I only saw about four a week. So 
you know, I would see them and then I would make an in-depth personalised meal plan and really walk them through it because that's what was missing and it still is missing in the industry because most people kind of just go to a nutritionist or a dietitian, back-to-back appointments, they're fed the same information, they get a handout saying go gluten-free and then women don't get any help because they're like, how do I do this myself? Fast forward then, like when I was full-time in my sort of like second and a half to third year, I had made nearly 400, sorry, I'd seen nearly 400 women in that really close one-to-one relationship with making personalized meal plans. So that was enough for me to go, holy crap, I can definitely see some common themes here because I would only ever work with women They'd all be roughly the same age group. They all had very similar issues um, because I was really selective about who I wanted to take on. Like I really knew who my ideal client was and who I wanted to work with. So because I'd worked with all those women and I just really understood everything about them from their lifestyles to their preferences to their health issues to what worked, you know, do they want leftovers for lunch? Do they want this? then I could create my first signature program. And then from there, about now like two to three years later, I don't see clients anymore. I sell my signature program, which has, you know, evolved since then. That's my three-week body reset. And then, of course, women still need help after three weeks because you can't learn how to completely change your diet in only three weeks, just like you can't um, learn a business, you know, learn about business in three weeks and then know exactly what to do. Um, So I now run a membership called the Health with Vet Tribe. So if women get results through my three-week body reset and they really feel like it's for them and they really want to completely transform their lifestyle and keep the weight off, then that's what the membership does for them. So it's my signature program and my membership, and I've got a couple of recipe eBooks as well, and that's my main business uh, now. Yeah, which is amazing. And I think we were just discussing off air because I'm in part of your tribe and I watch that community in your Facebook group. And I was saying to you, it's very rare to see such a supportive group that no one feels shamed, no one feels silly asking questions. If someone puts a question into your group, They'll get so many people support them, in, even if they're having a bad day and they haven't eaten health with Beck and they are very open about it. Their amount of support within the community for women um, that you've fostered and created is just incredible. And I think that's just such a credit to you that you've created this Facebook group where people are very open, they're very relatable, and you know everyone's valued. And if you're having a bad day and you've fallen off the wagon and you haven't eaten healthy, no one gets shamed for that in your group. It's very much well, we've all been there. And I think you're such a strong advocate for having a drink as well, an alcoholic mm-hmm. drink, I should say. And you're very realistic. I think that's one of the other points of difference with what you are um, sharing with people that it's okay to have a gin and tonic or a glass of wine or, you know, by all means, I've absolutely done your three weeks reset and other parts of your programs and it was actually quite achievable and it did yeah. not disrupt my life. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, God, you know, I'm just all about like the way that you lose weight should be the way that you keep it off. So it's got to be realistic. Of course we can have a drink. Like, you know, you've got to enjoy everything that you do if you want to maintain it for life. So. Um, no, I'm so glad that you can, that you felt that as well. Yeah, I think it's vital. And I think that's something we're craving at the moment is human connection and everyone's quite lost and quite overwhelmed. And so to see groups coming together like yours, it's just such an additional support for someone, no matter what they're going through, might not be Mm -hmm. diet related, but even mentally, if they're not coping with life to see that support in your group is quite amazing. Oh, thank you. Now, I have a special offer just for my podcast listeners for a limited time only. I want you to head to www.nikkimilne.com slash offer to discover my three-month offer for you that will help accelerate your business and amplify your growth. Now, I have been listening. You've been DMing and emailing me saying, how can I work with you? You might have a limited budget. You might not be sure of the direction you should be heading. Well, I created the ultimate product for you so you can work with me one-on-one for a very short period over three months to accelerate your business growth. So I know you're probably curious. Definitely go to www.nikkimilne.com slash offer and discover exactly what it is exclusive for my podcast listeners. I'd love to chat. So book in a discovery call with me and let's see how I can help you grow your business. Look forward to hearing from you. 
I've noticed you get this uh, question a bit, and um, I think probably some people would think this not knowing you, but I mean, you, you look at you, you're young, you're beautiful. You know, some might say you're very fit and healthy and thin. You know, how can someone relate like me who's, you know, middle-aged, not quite middle-aged yet, I don't think I should say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, mum of three kids, you know, crazy busy lifestyle. What's your answer to people that say, oh, that's fine, Beck, look at you, look at me, how do you relate to me? Yeah, great question. People don't often say that, but I know that that's what one of their hesitations would be. So I think what I always try to do at least at least once a week or as often as I can is just to remind everyone that I'm not just naturally blessed like this because, you know, like you said, people might look at me and be like, oh, she's um, slim and healthy, but that's because I have to work really hard at it. And like I said at the beginning, you know, I do have my own health journey where I had chronic gut issues. I have been a yo-yo dieter before, you know, I know what it's like to find it really hard to lose weight. So I try to share that as much as I can because I completely get it. And like I said, it's the way that you lose weight should be the way that you keep it off. So I literally live and breathe my approach. I eat exactly the same as the way that I teach. So that's sort of why I like to share that. Um, and that comes really naturally as well. So, you know, automatically people kind of know that I do um, struggle as well and need to try hard. But then, yeah, relating to the mums, I think, I mean, one of the things that I do is I do share a lot of um, testimonials and photos of women and naturally they are like most of my target market and about 70% of people in my membership are um, above 30 and have kids. So I'm sharing that all the time. And I think especially in the last few years, a lot of women come to me from referrals. So hearing about me from a friend or a family member. So I think that really helps as well to kind of access the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And I found like when I was um, doing it, and I still do a lot of your recipes, it could be adapted to a family. Yep. It wasn't just cooking for me. You were very aware that a lot of people in your tribe are actually parents as well. So those meals can be quantified or make, tweaked. I think you've even got um, variations for families and things like that as well in your structure. Yeah, always, always. And like I'm, you know, even though I'm a, I'm a bit younger, I don't have kids yet, I still, you know, we all lead, like lead busy lives. So I'm always sharing um, how to, you know, make healthy meals and how to make time for yourself and always talking about the fact that we actually all, of, you know, every single woman that I've worked with is busy in some way, whether they've got kids or a full-time job or both. So I'm always talking about that too. And I think that relates to, you know, the busy mum as well and for some reason I just like what I said at the beginning I I I always like to take on clients that were above 30 kind of mums naturally because I don't know why I've always gotten along with women that have been older than me um and I really like to work with women that I want to work with and that I'm going to get along with you know and also I'm obsessed with helping the woman the woman that is already really health conscious and then they just need to make some slight tweaks to their diet and quite often this actually is the woman that is sort of above 30 because that's when things like gut issues can develop when they haven't had them before or insulin resistance um or inflammatory concerns so that just naturally tends to be the women that are a little bit older. They understand health, they're educated, but they just need tiny tweaks now. So that's why I love work, working with women in that age group as well. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's the guidance. Your programs are very step-by-step, step, so you don't get lost, you don't get overwhelmed. Um, and a lot of the meals are designed to actually have a second serving that you could take for lunch the next day. Mm. So, I mean, that's fantastic for busy people as well. So, Obviously, we've briefly talked about this, but you identified a really big gap in the market for weight loss. What do you think has been your secret uh, to, you know, scaling the business and creating such loyal followers? You know, when you say tribe, you mean that they are a tribe that are watching your Instagram, interacting with you in Facebook, in the Facebook group. They're connecting, they're doing lives with you, and they're really proud to share their journey publicly after doing your programs. Yeah, I know. I'm so proud of people when they're open to sharing their journey, you know. Um, a couple of things here. The first one is I just have really committed to the slow burn in terms of really 
wanting to spend the time to connect with people one-on-one and that's just come naturally to me so like when I first started my Instagram for instance I'll always be really um personal in my replies and make an effort to chat with women in my dms and then you know whenever I had clients it was the same I've always kind of tried to go above and beyond to give that really one-on-one approach because I knew what it's like what it was like to feel like a number when I would see other practitioners And then that's obviously gotten a lot harder as I've scaled and now I'm selling online programs because I can't talk to everyone one-on-one. But even, you know, I've really taught customer service how to be really personal as well. So everyone doesn't, um, no one feels like a number. Everyone feels like they're being heard. And I think that's what I attribute to. I think that really, it it obviously takes a bit more time to be like that. But over the years, because I have made that one-on-one connection with so many people, and then those people refer me um, to other people, I think that has been something that has, um, yeah, made me have a really loyal community. And I'm also really real and, and honest on Instagram too. And I think the more sort of real and authentic you are sometimes, actually no, all the time, quite often it does then help the right people gravitate towards you that that also have the same morals and values. So luckily, and I'm so grateful for it, I just swear that's why the right people end up working with me that are very kind of like similar to me in terms of their authenticity and their honesty um, and their values. And then that's why we all kind of can support each other so much, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've literally hit the nail on the head there. Even though you've got a program and it's scalable and you've got probably a few hundred people in the tribe now, everyone still feels like they get your individual attention, which is quite an art to actually create and foster that. And like you said, it's a slow burn. It's not an instant thing and you're in it for the long, long haul and you've been constantly like chipping out away at it over years and years to make people feel part of that. So I think that absolutely is a huge part of why it's been so successful because you're not just a number in a program of hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, and just one one more really quick thing on that because I think this is important. When I designed my program, I didn't want... I didn't want it to be a product that just anyone buys. You know, I didn't want to create any false marketing or false beliefs. Um, Like my sales page is so clear in who it's for. I answer so many frequently asked questions. I have a quiz being like, you know, is this for you? And if it's not, I, you know, I wouldn't ever just make a quiz that every single answer is yes, just to make more sales, you know, like I really want women to get results. And if I don't think it's for them, I don't want them to buy my stuff. So I think creating a product that's really, that you try to just really sell to the right people is so good because then they're more likely to get results and then you're more likely to get, you know, a good rep rather than just trying to create a product and sell it to everyone um, because then I think it can filter out uh, the, you know, the people that it's really for. And then because my tribe is only for women that the Three Up Body works for, that's why the community in there is even more loyal because they're like, whoa, we believe in this approach. We want to share about it. They have the same passion as me now because they know that it works for them. So I think really just trying to um, narrow down the people that you sell whatever you're selling to and trying to actually filter out the people that it's not for, even though it might mean less sales, I think that is what um, helps your business grow in the right in the right way. Absolutely. And that kind of leads us into the next question. I mean, I've watched you create this sales funnel and, you know, it's very clever is probably not the right word, but strategic maybe that, you know, you warm them up on your Instagram, then you do the three-week reset, or you might do your um, eBooks that come out, the recipes, but there's always seems to be from my perspective, and I'm probably looking a lot deeper into it than many people, (laughs) But this very well-oiled, very high-converting sales funnel. Did you have assistance with that or is that something you've come up with by doing education programs or business programs? Tell me about how that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's turned into a bit more of a well-oiled machine now that I'm kind of just tweaking all the time to, you know, make better and better. But to get to that point, I probably reached that point of clarity um, only maybe a year and a half ago, and that was after being in business for about four and a half years. So it it took time, you know, it did took time to try different things, to listen to what people wanted, 
to I just binged so many podcasts uh, and I'll tell you about, yeah, two of the standout ones, which, which you know, I already know that you know because we've spoken about them over the years. But I was stuck in that kind of like do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself um, mindset and list, just listen to podcasts probably until my, yeah, about three and a half years into my business. And so I learned a lot of things through podcasts. One in particular was um, Steph Taylor's podcast, who's now a friend of mine, um, and hers is called Socialette. And then also James Wedmore's podcast, which is um, Mind Your Business. And I kind of, then I sort of, I met Steph and she really did drill into my mind that um, it's far better to focus on you know, one product or two max than to keep creating new things. Because as business owners, we we really like to always chase that new thing. So, you know, a few years ago, I think I wanted to make a new ebook every season. And I kind of thought that you had to create more and more. But then when I got that advice from, from Steph, uh, and I did actually buy James Wedmore's course that he sells once a year, Business by Design, Steph and James both have very, very, very similar outlooks on business. So I've tried to only really focus on those two podcasts and those two people for my knowledge um, because a lot of their principles cross over. And so they both recommend just trying to focus on the one thing um, and, yeah, like so many other little bits and pieces here and there, but that's how I've kind of got to where I am now because I've just tried to simplify the funnel as much as I can and also outsource as much as I can as well to get rid of all the all the tasks I don't have to do and then give me so much time now to just focus on refining and building this funnel more um so I get a lot of space in my calendar now to just work on that which I think is essential I love that and I think that's something that we're all moving I'm the same I've pretty much deleted not deleted but retired all my courses I'm going to one offer only and I agree. I feel like, you know, you're better off to have one focus and send everyone into one program if you're creating an online program or a membership rather than have multiple streams coming in, which can ultimately confuse the client and not get the results they actually hope to get. So I totally agree with you. And I just think it's amazing how you've niched down and had this amazing, you know, conversion. I think that's the biggest thing with you because obviously when you get new people into your tribe, you work, welcome them and I'm going, wow, that's another conversion. That's another conversion. And I think, that's a pretty amazing thing um, to see that happening consistently over a year and a half, two years. So I think um, that's a really, it's such a credit to you. Oh, thank you. And yeah, it's so, always, yeah. yeah, just moving on from that, you lost your Instagram about 18 months ago now. How did that affect your business? I mean, I did as well. Oh, that's right. <laughs> And yes, I kind of went to you and went, Egg, I lost my Instagram. I'm not really sure what to do, but I know how it affected my business. I want to hear how it affected your business, what you kind of learned from it. And, you know, yeah, it's an incredibly hard thing as a business owner to have happen. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? It was It was one of those times where, oh, God, like, you know, when one bad thing happens, it's always, there's always another one or two other things that are going on in your life at the same time. So I actually was going through something personal and I found out the news about that, I don't know, on a Wednesday or something. And then and then the Instagram thing happened that exact same day. So that same night I was like, oh, shit, my Instagram's gone. Um, and so I actually saw it as a blessing for that first week that it was gone because it gave me the time to free up time in my life to focus on what I was going through personally. Um, Because, you know, Instagram is, it's so taxing, isn't it? Like every time you post, it opens up DMs. And then when you get DMs, you have to answer people. And it's kind of a constant thing. So um, I really enjoyed it for the first week and I didn't freak out too much. But then, um, and then I was going through something else as well. So it was just a lot going on. But then when it hit like week two and it was gone for an entire three weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm ready for it back now because I actually did um I did notice sales go down when my Instagram was down. So for me, that was a really cool learning experience because I've never tested that before. You know, I've tested sometimes sending more or less emails or um, you know, you, you can change different things about the business to test how well they're doing, but I've never actually tested just disappearing from Instagram. So seeing sales start to drop was 
upsetting me and it was showing me that, yep, Instagram's important for that connection because um, I, did I have my podcast at the time? Oh, I'd only just started my podcast, so at least I could tell people through that, but yeah. And then, yeah, I didn't get get it back till the end of the third week, uh, thank God. But yeah, I did notice um, my sales go down a little bit. Uh, and of course, it only made me even more passionate about focusing a lot more on my email list. So I did have an email list built. Like I've known, I did know before this happened that, you know, it's really, really important to get off people off Instagram and onto your email list because, you know, you own that. Um, but it was just even more of a lesson to just step that up um, and grow that as my primary goal um, within, you know, the next year. Absolutely. And your emails are amazing. And I think that's, you know, a huge takeaway when I lost my account, literally, I think about a month after you, uh, mm. same thing just disappeared, just disabled. And it took me, you know, I think I got it back after 10 days and you're right for the first week. I loved it. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. It feels like not to be tied to that down Instagram, but then yeah, the inquiry slowed and just the connection. So it becomes quite instrumental in you know, the connection, I think. And email's great. Um, Instagram's got its benefits, but it can be, there are so many businesses that sit solely built on Instagram. Yeah. And every day I'm getting messages saying, oh, my Instagram's been hacked. I've lost it. And I know a lot of people that haven't been able to get it back. You and I were both lucky to get it back. And that's potentially because we're more public figures. Okay. You know, you've been in articles and media things. Mm-hmm. And I know I have, and that certainly helps regain your Instagram accounts. But for a lot of these business owners, they are not in mainstream media or traditional media. So that actually hinders their chance to actually recover their accounts. Oh, my gosh. That's how they verify that you're actually a real person that's recognised in the community. And that is what Instagram takes on board when they're reinstating accounts. And if you haven't got any public testimonials or features in newspapers or anything like that well then it becomes a issue so yeah it's a really interesting Mm -hmm. thing and I guess that's where it's vital to have an all-rounded PR strategy as well because I know you've been featured in media articles and I mean there was an amazing one literally last week with the Daily Mail did you know that was going to happen? I had no idea that was so weird you know I um I I've got Google alerts set up on on my on my computer so if you know if Beck Miller or Health with Beck is ever mentioned on the internet, I get an email saying, you know, your name's been mentioned. But in the last two years, it's always just been other random Beck Millers in the world. It's never been anything to do with me. <laughs> so I was actually going to stop them because I was like, why am I, like, of course there's other Beck Millers. But then luckily I didn't because I got an email and I was I'm so close to deleting it. But then I saw in the subject line that it said something about, you know, um, Mars bars and banana bread. I was like, wait, that that is me. And so yeah, the whole article had been written just off what obviously the journalist must have followed me or something and um, turned everything that I'd said on Instagram into an article. So that was cool because there was no effort on my end to pitch. Um, and, yeah, it was actually surprisingly a good article because I have actually pitched to the Daily Mail before with um, I think the topic was the six must-eat foods for uh, optimal health or something like that. But they completely changed the headline to be uh, a nutritionist, um, six foods for defined abs. And like, that's so, <laughs> that's so not me. So I was like, no, I don't want, I don't want that to ever happen again. Yeah. And the Daily Mail is notorious for their clickbait headlines. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, and then I read it. I was like, okay, you got away with that one. That's good. That's, that's a really good article compared to how they could have flipped it. And it was quite controversial on, was it Woolies or Coles? Woolies. Coles. Coles, yeah. yeah. So it was controversial on Cole's um, aspect and you were 100% correct. But I think um, for anyone wanting to see the article we're talking about, head to Health with Beck Instagram and it's um, on there. But it's a really interesting read. But, yeah, they could have completely flipped that like they literally did on your last one. But I think in your yeah. for your perspective it was a really fantastic article. But it's just so important to remind everyone that you never know who's watching your Instagram account. And that's partly how my coaching article came out last week because I quite often rant about all these business coaches that have no business experience. And the same thing, a journalist saw me and contacted me and I was like, yeah, I have a huge issue with this because it's, you know, destroying a lot of businesses who are getting the wrong advice from people that have never owned a business. So I didn't know that was a thing. Hold on. So people are being business coaches without understanding business themselves. Without ever having a business. They go oh, into Jesus a seven-week course and then as a business owner who gives business advice or a business coach mentor, you've got to have indemnity insurance. You're meant to have indemnity insurance. So most never will. 
because they can't get it. And also, secondly, most are doing, like there's so many that do a six to eight-week coaching course but have never had a business and now they're coaching business owners who have got staff or rent or overheads and they're saying to them, you know, potentially fire a staff member or go and pay $10,000 on a Facebook ad special, but they have no background in it to be warranting that advice. And if a business is struggling and they get a business coach that tells them to do something like that, it could ultimately send them under. You oh know, my gosh, yes. So, and as you know, there's just so many moving pieces in business and you cannot coach someone on business unless you've been through all that yourself because yeah. it's 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 wild. Like I can't believe like running, growing and running a business and scaling and all the other things, it's just it takes so long to learn that and you have to go through it yourself. That's like someone doing, you know, learning about food and weight loss for six weeks and then calling themselves an expert. It just wouldn't be possible. You have to know what it's like. So that's scary. I didn't know I people were doing that a lot more regulations around the health and wellness industry now with who mm. they what, and we've seen that happen recently with influencers on Instagram are now no longer allowed to make health claims about certain products. That's actually a law in Australia, literally come in about six weeks ago. But yeah. from a coaching perspective, if you're really good at marketing yourself, which many of these are, mm-hmm. you know, there is just nothing stopping you taking on clients when you don't actually have any business experience. So it not is- only that, Business, I've really found that business coaches can charge a heck of a lot of money as well. Like, you know, the benchmark of how much they can charge is so much compared to, you know, if I was, you know, when I do nutrition consults and stuff, like I could, you know, if I wanted, I could charge $1,000 an hour like like business coaches do. You know, business coaches charge anywhere from $500 to $1,000 for like an hour. It's annoying because I could I could just never do that because no other nutritionist would do a consult for $1,000, you know. So it's, it's amazing how the world has started to turn that way where there's so many mindset and business coaches that can charge all this money. That's what's happened out of when COVID hit, there were so many businesses struggling. And so there's a lot more problems that they're facing. So that's why there were so many people just suddenly pop up as business coaches because there was such a demand for it. And people were desperate. They weren't doing background checks on coaches. They weren't actually looking into where their qualifications come from or how long they'd been doing it or even how many businesses they had a proven track record with. So, you know, it's unregulated, whereas it should be regulated. Like I'd love to see the coaching mentoring industry for business owners regulated like a lot of other industries are, but because it's such high risk, um, you know, you wouldn't go to a doctor that hadn't done a uni degree. No. (laughs) And this is Mm. people, it's a lot of money involved in business. So, yeah, but that was literally a journalist noticing me having a rant about it and going, "What, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, this is my pet hate at the moment. I'm getting so many emails from people that are doing coaching programs or being coached. Then they're going, you know, I'm three months in, like you say, I'm four or $5,000 into this coaching program. And I actually don't think they have been to where I'm at in business. They don't seem to relate to having staff. They don't seem to relate to the challenges I'm facing. Yeah. And then they're like doing a bit of digging and discovering that these people do not have a background in business. So, you know, yes. yeah. So it's a really interesting topic to talk about, but you just never mm-hmm. know who's watching your Instagram, I guess, is the moral of the story. So yeah. It could be picked up by a journalist. They do not have to check with you like you experienced in the last week or two. They literally can run a story without your input and your knowledge because you've put it on your public forum, which is your So, and like the news could have picked that up. You could have seen yourself on Channel 7 or Channel 10 without any input for you because you've actually put it on Instagram. It is public public ownership then. So you could Mm -hmm. have been on TV for the same thing without you actually... So it's really important for people to remember that when they're posting to Instagram, that everything they're saying can be used in media without That's so interesting, actually. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Like it's already out there. So without um, your permission, yeah, mm. besides what you've said. So I think that's really interesting. And then, you know, what are the three biggest mistakes you see women making when it comes to their wellness and weight? Yeah, good question. There's quite a few, but some of the biggest ones, um, let me think. Okay, one of the biggest ones is that, women are really trying to um, cut their calories to lose weight, which is important. You have to be in a calorie deficit. But because naturally like fat is the uh, the macronutrient with the, with the highest amount of calories, a lot of women cut fat out of their diet to drop their calories. 
And then they're eating foods that are a bit higher in carbohydrates. Um, a lot of women do know that protein is important. So that's never usually something that people slip up on. They're usually meeting their protein needs. But when women are eating a low fat diet and a diet that has, you know, some more carbs, like such as, you know, you'll see women grabbing some like rice cakes and having them with some tuna or something, or, you know, any other sort of foods that are, that are quickly digested carbohydrates without any healthy fats. What happens is that that's a really huge recipe for hunger. And, you know, when you're cutting your calories and you're trying to eat a smaller amount of calories in your day, that's already hard to do, you know, and when you're hungry, it makes it really, really hard to stick to a diet. And that's why so many women just binge on the weekends or binge at night. But when you actually add the fat back in whilst still being in a calorie deficit and then to make room for those calories, you can just get rid of some of the other foods. Quite often it's those higher carb foods. Then you actually feel full for most of the day if you eat correctly, the right right amount of protein um, and healthy fats. And then in turn, you get far a far greater chance at sticking to the diet because you're not feeling that need to, you know, you're not hangry at night and you don't need to binge on the weekends as much because you're actually staying more full. So when women get rid of their fear of fat and start to add it back in, that can really help. So that's, yeah, one mistake women make is following low-fat diets. Another one is the women that are already really, really health conscious, they know what to eat, they think they're eating really healthy and they definitely might be, but they're not being as conscious as they should be with their with the amount of calories that they're eating in the day. So I don't think that anyone should get too Nazi in terms of counting calories in every food that they eat every day of the week. Um, but definitely having an understanding of what you're eating and making sure that you are portion controlling so that you actually still stay in a calorie deficit, then you're not going to lose weight. So it can come down to just being a bit more conscious of, you know, the amount of oil that you're drizzling on your food or the size of your chicken or your steak, because if you just have a slightly bigger piece of chicken or steak and you add an extra drizzle or two of olive oil and maybe you have a glass of wine without thinking, that can be 500 calories. And, you know, to lose weight on average, you should eat 500 calories less a day. And it's just so easy to slightly overeat on the good stuff. So that's one of the biggest things that I've seen women learn through going through my programs. They're like, oh, okay, actually I was eating a tiny bit too much. Um, and that can make a huge difference. And then something as well that, you know, I always see is that a lot of women, especially when they become mums and also have to work at the same time, they're not prioritizing time for them enough. So, you know, not prioritizing the time to dedicate to making sure that they cook themselves healthy food and do that healthy shop. And not even that, just time for them to exercise or to have a bath or just taking away some time in the calendar for them because, you know, your whole life can revolve around your kids and and your work when you have kids. So I think a mistake is that, yeah, women aren't prioritizing their health as much as they should be when, you know, if you really want something, there's always time to prioritize that. It's just about getting rid of something else. So that's, yeah, that's something else that I see. I love that. And if um, I don't think you probably have seen my stories today, but I've just spoke exactly about that because on Monday I did like a mindset workshop. And the biggest thing that I come up with, with is I don't have any time for me. I'm not eating right because I'm cooking my family pastas and spaghetti and all this. I don't eat any of that. But then by the time I finished cooking and cleaned all that up, for me to cook my own meal, I just do not have the capacity to at the moment. So then I'm reaching for unhealthy things. Mm-hmm. that I would never normally eat. So I think, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there and exercise. I don't exercise right now because I've sun up to sundown. I'm at work or with kids. So I think just making people aware of that. And I know I keep begging you to partner with a home delivery. Yeah, <laughs> home everyone does. And if it could come in a box to me each week that I could just eat it, I am like all over. I would totally sign up for that. And I'm sure that's something you've definitely looked at. But um, I had a home chef recently. And so then I'm sort of said, you know, maybe I can look at getting a home chef in to actually cook your meals for me um, mm-hmm. because that's the biggest thing for me. I struggle with putting myself not even first, but third or fourth in line, <laughs> you know, I've yeah. five in my house. So, you know, I think that a lot of women can relate to that by the time you give everything to your family. Um, we feel guilty. And that was the thing on Monday. I feel so guilty 
putting my meal before my children's. But if mum's not happy and if I'm not well, the rest of the house is not going to function. And if I'm not exercising and taking care of me, then the rest of it will all fall down as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's the mindset shift that is so freaking powerful. So I've done it myself in the last two years of business, but especially so this last year that's gone. Like my mindset has completely shifted from um, the more time. I mean, I've always eaten healthy and exercise and made time for it because I can feel how that impacts my my focus for work. But now I've stepped it up even more and I've been like the more time that I go for an extra walk or just I don't know, clean the house a bit or like basically the the less hours I work, the more productive I'm going to be and the more time I take to, you know, go for that walk, um, eat a healthy meal, go to like a sauna. I mean, I know I don't have kids, so this sounds like a luxury, but going to something like a sauna session, anything that I can do for my wellness yep. has massively improved my my focus for work. And um, so now I look at it in that way. I'm like, the more time I take for me, the better I am for showing up on Instagram, doing my work. And then I try to say the same things to mum to mums as well. I'm like, the more time you take for exercise um, and feeding your body healthy foods, the better you're going to be for your kids, um, the happier you're going to be, the more confident you're going to be, the friendlier you're going to be to your partner, um, the better your sex life can get, the better your work life can get. So when you kind of shift that mindset, it actually does make you want to prioritize it because you're going to be a better person for everything. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just, yeah, I kind of agree with that more. And it was just funny that that's exactly where I'm at in my mind this week after doing this workshop on Monday. And then obviously speaking about it on my stories today and in this workshop was about 17 women and 70% were mums. And all of them said, yeah, we don't exercise. We get a zero on exercise. We get like a two on food because we're just not prioritizing our food over our family. And yeah, it is, it is such a hard thing as a mum because you feel guilty if my kids are at home going for a walk because I should yeah. spend time with them. But that's something I think as a society, women need to get past and it's not easy. But I think, yeah, like you said, it's it, there's so many benefits that outweigh that guilt. Absolutely, yeah. And there is weird ways around it. Like you don't have to, I think there's such a belief that, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this with doing some of my work before, but I think there is a belief with, um, you know, eating healthy or dieting has to be separate from what you feed the kids. But it can be the same. I really try to teach people that it's kind of real food. It's, you know, steak and veggies. And then maybe the kids could just have some potatoes when you don't. Or it's, yeah. you know, a bolognese and they would have pasta, but you just have edamame pasta. Like there's always ways to make a family-friendly meal where you just have a slightly different side or alternative. Um, and I think like my winter warmers recipe ebook would be awesome for you to flick through and just find the most family-friendly recipes. There are so many in there. Um, and try to just find the ones that your whole family is going to like because then it's going to be benefiting your health and also theirs at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. So what does the future hold for you? Where are you going for business? Have you got anything exciting or are you just made, focused on maintaining where you're at? Where are you going with Health with Beck? So I'm definitely loving maintaining where I'm at, but I've got, yeah, other big goals. So I'm finding it really fun too. You know, now that I've got the funnel built there, are, and I'm sure you know this, there's so much you can do to like, number one, get more eyeballs, then increase conversions. Could I change my emails, the way that they're worded? The Could I create more freebies? Like there's so many different moving pieces. And I actually find all that so fun. Um, and I find it fun because it's not just because it makes more sales, it's because the more conversions Absolutely. I make, the more the more women's lives I'm changing, and that's my that just brings me so much joy. So I love refining that funnel, and I'm finding it really fun growing that. So my focus at the moment is really trying to, you know, with memberships and a subscription business, it's a whole nother kettle of fish. So selling one online program that was something that took me years to learn, and then I created my membership. Um, two years ago. And that's a whole different kettle of fish with, um, you know, getting people to sign up and trust you with monthly payments. But not only that, it's keeping the retention there. So how do you retain people? So this year, I'm really trying to improve things as much as I can and keep listening to the tribe and changing things and making things even simpler um, because women can drop off if they're too overwhelmed. Um, So that's definitely one of my focuses to maintain. But I do really want to turn the tribe into uh, more of an interactive online app. 
um, so that women can find it easier to, um, you know, log in and see their recipes and, um, you know, kind of even create their own customised meal plans where shopping lists are generated. Um, so that's where my head's at. But I have I did look into it last year and the quotes that I got were like over $50,000. So I was like, well, I can't. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big thing to do. So like in the future, there's definitely going to be an app or a web program of Love. that of that sort, um, because if women in the tribe in the tribe for longer than a year, they do have a whole backlog of you know um, meal plans that are PDFs and recipes that are PDFs, and they do find it a bit hard to yeah. find different recipes. But yeah, so that's kind of the future. And then who knows, maybe a food delivery thing or um, creating a food product. But I've really winged it in my whole business life in terms of like just doing what feels right week week after week and then naturally things come about depending on what women tell me they need. So I love that. I'm so excited to see what you do. And I think you've just got so many opportunities to go in so many different directions. It really will be a matter of listening to who who is working with you and what their needs are and what, you know, what they value and what makes their life simpler and easier and how to achieve that outcome um with your assistance so that's amazing so we always finish off with uh three questions that you might have for me do you have any questions for me today yeah um so I've got a couple that are like hmm, around PR because I always find this interesting so if if you're a um a client and you're getting pitched to, especially if you're if you're a big client that gets, you know, so many different pitches a day, you know, some people can get probably a hundred. Um, what's the benefit from getting a pitch from a PR agency as opposed to the person themselves? Because I'm in like such mixed minds. I'm like, I feel like it's so good to get a personal one from someone, but then there's obviously got to be a benefit from it coming from a PR agency too. So um what do they prefer to get? Really interesting. It's like you're picking up on my, all my vibes today. Um, <laughs> it, uh, from a PR perspective, it looks a lot more professional. And funnily enough, even this morning before you, I've just had a meeting with the agency over in, um, they're actually in Queensland, to represent me from a PR perspective. Because <sighs> even as a PR agent and having an agency, it's insanely hard for us to pitch me for articles. So I've actually come to the conclusion I need to outsource me as a talent, I guess, to another agency to look after me and negotiate my deals and, um, you know, get me features because it just is, it's a lot harder to pitch yourself. Now, if it comes from a credible source and they're getting a hundred emails a day and say, they see an email from me, they're familiar with me from socials or my other work, they'll open that over the other hundred emails that are sitting in the inbox. And quite a lot of the journalists will just delete all those emails. They won't even open them. So what you're paying for is that foot in the door, the relationship. And like we're very curated when we go to the media, we only ever go to them if it's a really good story. We never waste their time. So Mm. if they see an email from us, they'll go, oh, this is something that is most likely going to be worth covering and they understand what we want and what we feature. So I guess that is the opportunity. Plus also a lot of journalists will come to us and say, look, we're writing a piece on this. Do you know anyone that could offer their opinion? Yeah, okay. It comes from the reverse as well. And we'll go, look, we have got a client that does this. That'd be great to offer an opinion piece on this topic. So it's also from that reserve. But like I've just said, it's insanely hard to rep. I can pitch and I can do quite well in getting stories coverage, but then I feel at the same time I don't have strong connections on the East Coast in terms of PR. So therefore I would outsource it. And when Roxy Jasenko come to Western Australia, she could have done her own PR on her in conversation event here, but she outsourced it to me because she said, I don't know anyone in WA. I don't know which journalists to trust that are not going to flip the articles Mm. and I need someone on the ground in WA that understands the media industry here. So I think it's always important depending where you're pitching, whether it's more national or global or local, you need to find someone that has those strong connections because sometimes then I think, you know, you've seen it, I've seen it, someone will pitch a story and the media outlet completely flips it and it becomes a really bad PR yeah, exactly. Like what I said with the Daily Mail. Yeah, um, and I've seen it happen locally here um, where the story's been flipped and it's just bad publicity for the business owner, such bad publicity, and it gets this awful clickbait and, you know, they yeah. would have been much better off without that story. <laughs> totally. So that kind of leads me to another question. Um, like 
because I because I get pictures too. I don't I wouldn't get hundreds a day, but now that I've got a podcast, I am getting, you know, quite a few a week. And it's it is interesting because sometimes even when it does come from an agency, what I hate seeing as a business owner is I still feel like the PR agency has to be really personal to a degree too. So take that time to actually understand the business that they're pitching to and give them information that's really relevant because I still get I still get pictures from um, from PR agencies that you can tell it's a very generic, can I have this person be on your podcast, da-da-da-da. And then so that's why I'm kind of like, what? I don't really like PR agencies, but maybe that's because I'm getting the wrong pictures. Um, so I find that that's an interesting thing too. Like how do, if someone's going to work with a PR agency, how do they know that they're still going to get that, um, they're still going to pitch in a really, really personal way? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think at the moment there is just so many, um, I guess, they're marketing agencies pitching like what you're getting through is pitching on behalf of other. They're just generic copied emails. And I think we all get them coming in our DMs, you know, be featured on Forbes, be featured on Entrepreneur Magazine, all the rest of Yahoo. And they're quite often paid adverts. So you're mm-hmm. unbeknown at the time and you go, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to be featured in Forbes. You go back and they say, oh, that's $4,000. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a real different divide, but they all mask under the screen of being a PR agency. Yeah, you know, That's the thing. So I think it's definitely then you're better off more localized or someone that, you know, over on the East Coast, there is fashion PR, there is health and wellness PR, there are agencies that are really specific to industries. So they know exactly in that industry and they're doing extremely well in that industry because they niche down and specialize in one particular industry. Yeah. And then there's PR for a brand and then there's PR for individuals. So personal brand, which you and I at the moment with our own, uh, well, I mean, you're a little bit tricky because you could swing either way. Yeah. That's why I separated mine. So that's why there's Nikki Milne and there's Perth Collective PR because Nikki Milne would be who I'd want PR and talent management for, not the agency. So I think that's a thing that we've seen emerging is this personal branding. And then that becomes a whole because then you're verging on being a talent or influencer. Yeah. So which you'll start to get approached, um, you know, and I'm sure you have been already to actually do influencer work, but then you've got to be careful it doesn't water down or detract from your actually your business. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when so when you work um with clients and you know, in a pitch, would you really make like take the time to understand um yeah, to pitch on a really personal level? I'm sure you're gonna say yes, but it's yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we don't do anyone under a minimum of three months. And I have lots of general chats with them. And it's amazing. They won't think it's a newsworthy story. Like we had a client last week that I called into their shop and she was just telling me about what's happening in the business. I was like, wow, that's an incredible story. I didn't tell her that, but I went back to the office, reached out to a journalist I knew and said, look, I've just been with this client. They've mentioned this, which I think is so unique and different. I, I haven't seen this happening before. Would you cover the story? And she went, yep, love it. Put me in touch. So I then had to go back to the client and say, you know how you randomly told me this thing? And, um, you know, I I didn't tell you the time, but that's a great story. Well, the journalist is going to speak to you tomorrow and it will be published. And she was like, oh, my God. But she said it in passing conversation. She had no idea how valuable that was because that's her daily thing. A bit like you posting the cake and the Mars bar from Coles, Uh you had no idea how impactful that was and what a story it was. You put it out there as a general interest piece, but then the Daily Mail picked it up. So I guess as a PR agent, that's my job to see those stories that you don't recognize as being such a global story, pick it up and amplify it. Yes. Not love. just leave it sitting on your Instagram. If you had shown me that before, I would have said, let's go to Dana. I think this is a business story for the West. I think this is something that you could literally go on channel seven talking about. Yeah. You know, so our job as a PR agency is to take one little one-liner that you might mention or one little example mm-hmm. and then amplify it and maximize the PR that we can get around that one thing. That makes so much sense. And so that would save, yeah, if you're trying to try and do it all yourself, that's one, that would be a huge benefit to having. No, you don't because, yeah, like when you, when it's your own line of genius, you do just sometimes don't realise that other people want to hear that because you are doing it yourself all the time. So you're like, is this interesting? Is it not? I yeah. really like it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, you should really, that um, same one, that cake, not repost it in three months and tag all the media outlets in that post. Yeah. 
don't think it's just a one-off recycling. Like last night I posted my most popular post of the last 12 months and it did as well as it did 12 months ago. It's uh-huh. not mine. It's just a quote, but I think people are not doing that. You can actually absolutely repurpose content and repost that exact same post mm-hmm. and amplify it again. Yeah. But do you know what? Cause I used to do that sometimes, but then I, um, I tried, I did that with a post that worked really well last year. Um, and then it, did not do well. And then I was talking to someone, I can't remember who it was, and they told me that, yeah, Instagram is now very recently really trying to only um, prioritise original content. So that might... But if you change the wording, I use the picture, yeah. but the wording is what they're keying, the SEO or the the, the trigger of the oh, diet. Okay. The wording, not the image. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know yeah. that. So, so thank I you. don't ever repost the post the caption. I will rewrite the caption maybe from a slightly different perspective or a different thought train or something, but I use the yeah. same image. Oh, okay. That's so good to know. It's annoying though, isn't it? That's because the caption is the, the caption is the like that's the most lengthy part to do. So if yeah. you're gonna, you know, repurpose content, it would be so good to just copy and paste the captions sometimes, you know. That's exactly what the original content problem comes up with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um do you want me to ask you one more question? Yeah, or running out of time? Okay. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes um, people make when they're like either either from PR agencies or if they're pitching themselves? Um, are there anything, that, is there anything that you've seen that you're like, oh, my God, no, do not put that in a pitch? Um, any, some, any like standout things that people do wrong? Yeah. Do you know what the biggest thing is? People are not ready for PR. Yeah, is really the amount of people that come, we get weekly inquiries and I look at their website, I look at their sales funnel, I look at their Instagram and I'm like, you can't handle PR. If we put eyes on your brand, you're not going to get any sales because you haven't sorted out all the back end. Because when we bring PR onto a brand or a business and highlight it, if you do not have your sales page converting, if you do not have your Instagram audience, that it'll just be an absolute waste of money and time and opportunity. So the biggest mistake I have is people come to me thinking they're ready for PR, but that's not fixing any of the internal issues in the business. So that's when I end up turning them quite often into a mentoring client or a marketing client. And we're like, let us just make over your brand for three months, clean up your website, clean up your socials, clean up your personal profile polish you all and then we will look at PR only and if I think you're ready for it because there's nothing worse if we put a name to a brand and then, you know, it doesn't look up to our standard and if the media suddenly are linking to a brand and the brand's website's old or not informative, um, it's just, you know, they'll see huge website traffic and go, why am I getting sales? And we're like, because your website's not converting. Hmm. So that is definitely the biggest mistake. You know, most, I'd say 70% of businesses that come to us are not ready for PR. Whereas you're polished, you're totally fine, ready for PR. (laughs) And you're comfortable talking and speaking in public eye. That's the other thing. A lot of people, when you put PR on you, you've got to take the opportunities if someone wants to interview you or they want you to be on the news or they want you to host a workshop. So we've always got to say to the client, if these opportunities come, are you going to be comfortable doing that? Are you comfortable speaking at something? Um, and most of the time they go, oh, no, 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 I don't want it to be about me. Well, PR is about you. So you yeah. have to be comfortable in putting your face forward and representing your company. Absolutely. No, that makes so much sense. And I can, I can, I'm sure you've experienced these issues as well, but like with PR and I, under, I understand from someone that, you know, has, I get Facebook ads done for me. I've doubled in PR and I would never put the expectation on the, on those companies to directly bring me sales and um, because it's more about growing, you know, um, people's awareness of you. And I can see that in that case with what you just said, you know, that's why you would be especially picky at going, no, just make sure for one, you've got all those moving pieces fixed first because people could blame you being like, I got PR, why aren't things working? And that would be another reason why, yeah, you have to do that work ahead of time to be like, no, we don't cause sales. And then, but if we do, make sure that you're set up just in case you can. Yeah. So, which is a really interesting thing, which I don't talk about often, but to measure PR, it is the increase in your website traffic. It's the increase in your, um, you know, people viewing profile views on your Instagram. It is people speaking about your brand. That is what PR is done well. It's an increase in all those things. But if we increase it and you can't convert it, what is the point? Mm. <laughs> so that's exactly what I'm trying to say. If I can't see the client being able to convert all these inquiries and new traffic and get new followers, there is absolutely no point. You are not ready for PR. And we would never take a client's money um, 
knowing that even though we could deliver it, I want that business owner to walk away with a financial benefit or more inquiries or more leads. And that's really what you measure it on. So it's really interesting. So thank you so much for joining us today. Where can people find you? Let us know your website, your Instagram. Of course. Yeah. So um, I am healthwithbeck.com. That's my website. Uh, On Instagram, it's healthwithbeck as well with an underscore in between each word. Um, And then my podcast is called Body Bites with Beck. But yeah, if you just go to Health with Beck on Instagram, you can see all the links, all the links there. um, And they're the main places that I hang out. Yeah, amazing. And like I said, Beck is so informative. I learn stuff every single day. And I just think you're doing such an incredible job making it much easier and um, much easier for people to be women in particular consistent on their weight loss journey or health and wellness. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for everything you do for women. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed this. I think that was absolutely awesome. Thanks, Beck. Bye, Nikki. Thank you for listening to the Passion to Profit podcast. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode. If you loved it, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify and let me know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget that limited time offer just for my podcast listeners. Head to www.nikkimilne.com slash offer. Just discover how I can help you and let's book a discovery call and chat. Until next time, thank you again for listening to Passion to Profit podcast and all the best on your business journey.